0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. We're prohibited by law. C terms and conditions 18 plus. Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. This is one on one with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One-on-One with Jasper Cole. All right, all
1: right, all right, all right.
2: Howdy, howdy, howdy. And welcome to One-on-One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole. And we are coming to you live from Sunset Gower Studios, Right here in Hollywood, California. Let me give a shout out to my producer, Mr. J.W. Williams. Hey, Jasper. How are you, buddy?
3: I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good.
2: Well, listen, it's a great day. It's, this weather's amazing, right?
3: I just can't believe it. It's like we fast forwarded into summer.
2: <laughs> I know. It's like a 30 degree jump, right? It's, it's, from,
3: it is crazy.
2: From a few days ago. But yeah. um, anyway, listen, everyone, we're glad to be back. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at 101JCole. Facebook, one on one with Jasper Cole. And you can go to my website, jaspercole.com. And when you get there, go to the uh, ubnradio.com page, click on our show, because we have 26 sponsors. Our newest one is uh, Bentley Health, uh, Bentley Dog Products, but we have 25 other ones. All of us here at one on one with Jasper Cole are proud to announce our 25 affiliate advertisers, and they are all dot coms. E-File, InterServer, ZipRecruiter, Hilton Hotels, 3-Day Blinds, Adam and Eve Toys, BullGuard, Prime Slots, Russell Stover, Booking.com, Suzanne Summers Bath & Beauty, Quest Nutrition, Sur La Tabla, and Extended Stay America.
3: Additionally, we have EUK Host, Canvas World, Cheap Air, 21st Century, Liberty Mutual, Course Smart Advance Auto, Fandango, Meet Mindful, Flareplay, and Jewelry.com. Thanks again to all of our wonderful sponsors.
2: All right. Okay, great. Welcome back, everyone. Yeah, we're really thankful to have the sponsors. So everyone, please uh, go there, click on something you like, purchase it, and we can uh, make some money. So, JW, it's been a great, uh, I guess, exciting week in politics. You know, we're so thrilled today because we have – Jamal Simmons, who is a political analyst and a TV commentator for both CBS and CNN. You probably have seen him on MSNBC and pretty much all the networks. Um, he's going to be joining us today to talk about the current presidential race. We, Since we were together, we've had the Iowa caucus and also last night was the New Hampshire primary. So I can't wait to get into that with him and get his take on Trump and Bernie and Hillary and all that, so um, I'm excited about that. Did you follow any of this last night?
3: You know, I haven't really been following except just what I'm seeing as sound soundbites, uh, you know, on social media and uh, and just little recaps on the news, but I think we do have Jamal on the line. Jamal, are you there? Oh, we do.
2: I'm here. Hi, How buddy. You doing? Hey, Jamal, hey. this is Jasper. Ja- Jasper and John, thank you so much for joining us. I know this is a probably your one of your busiest times, so thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
1: I'm happy to do it. This is, uh, you know, not to be corny, but it is the future of America at stake. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. there's just that one little issue there, right? The future of America. <laughs> um, bef- well, listen, before we get into today's politics, I really wanted to talk, if we could, a little bit about you and your journey, and, and you know, you've had quite an amazing... Uh, career and you still do but I see um you went to Morehouse College right? I did. Yeah um that's a great school. I'm from actually from Georgia from Athens so. Oh
1: nice yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, So I went to Morehouse and I lived in Atlanta like after that for a little bit and uh it's really one of my favorite places in the planet I have to say. I really um it's where I grew up and I mean, I grew up in Detroit mostly, but I really became a man in my in Atlanta. You know, it's like where I started my career and I met people who I had like you know really good interest in, and it just was a fun place to live. I loved it.
2: Yeah, it's a great it's a great city, and it's just completely taken off. I mean, it's been growing over the years, but every I left in eighty seven, and it's just not only like politics, but it's turned into like you know Hollywood South, I guess, with all the uh, TV and film production. <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> it is absolutely like Hollywood South it's, it''s pretty funny, and people you probably know this if you've been back and visited you know you go to Linux mall and there'll be literally like a group of people like guys walking through the like mall singing like a singing group <laughs> you know it's like uh, just it is Hollywood people are ready right, to discover
2: absolutely well so let me let me ask you so after college what, where did this journey begin for you in terms of your uh your commentating and your, your political career before the commentating. I mean, how did this, how did you begin the journey? Well,
1: you know, it was really great. I, um, um, I went off and I was at Morehouse and I, one day I was walking across campus and it was, uh, you know, January, February of 1992. And somebody handed me a flyer and said, this guy named Bill Clinton was going to be over in the chapel speaking. And so I kind of had an hour to kill before class started. So I decided to go over there and sit in the back and listen to him. And I kept thinking, wow, I kind of like this guy. Like, he's making sense. So this is pretty good. And um, so I became a little bit of a Bill Clinton fan. And then he won the nomination. He won the Georgia primary and won the nomination. And uh, then I started volunteering on the campaign. And I got hired to work with the campaign. And then I got hired to travel with Bill Clinton. It, happened, it all happened really fast. So, um you know, I was running around the country. It was like being on a rock tour. I mean, you guys are in show business, so you know what it's like when you're in a show. You know, right. you get all the people behind stage. And my job was managing the press and making sure the bags got where they were supposed to get and where they were supposed to be there. And oh, Andrea Mitchell left her camera on the plane. You got to go back and get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that was sort of my job. But it was great because right. I got to see the country in a way I'd never seen it before, and I got to really see people. What's great about presidential campaigns is people are really putting their best foot forward when the candidate shows up. They want to show off whatever part of their lives they think is the most special and kind of tell him or her what's happening. And so it's a really different look at the country. And so um, I left that, and I went to Washington. I worked you know, in the Clinton administration for four years, and I went off to grad school and came back and worked on Capitol Hill and then started working on presidential and other campaigns, Senate races. And then, you know, what happened was they started, I think it was maybe around 2005, I just started, started started doing TV here and there. People started asking me questions. I was a press secretary, so I had done TV working for candidates. And then uh, cable news stations started calling. It's funny. I got my first first cable station I was ever on was Fox News. Fox News used to have me on. So wow. I, um, I can never hate Fox News too much because they gave me my start in TV. Right, right. And, uh... <laughs> And then it was great. Then in 07, 08, uh, Barack Obama was running for president, Hillary Clinton. I didn't choose a candidate for a long time. So I worked for the Clintons, but I really liked um, Barack. I knew him from uh, when he was first running uh, nationally uh, for the U.S. Senate. And so I really wanted to uh, stay out of it for a bunch. And then at one point, uh, finally, I decided to get in it, and I endorsed him. I came out for him, and I spent all that year on CNN talking about Barack Obama every day. And uh, you know, the rest is sort of history. It's been great.
2: It's been great. And now, when you going back to the beginning, were you there with George Stephanopoulos and Dee Dee Myers and some of the original people that were with, with I Clinton? was. And
1: you know, one of the one of the biggest lessons that I had about life where came from George and Dee Dee. I was, you know, I was like twenty one years old, right? When I'm traveling around with these guys, and uh, one day we get back, we get some hotel late at night, and I'm coming in the hotel, and everybody's kind of putting their bags away, and I'm making sure everybody's settled, and I go to the staff office. And in like every day, uh, people used to, you, you'd make schedules this before the internet was big, right? So people would make schedules right, nice. and you had to pass the schedules out. You would put them underneath everyone's door at night so they would know what they had to do in the morning. And, uh, something, something happened. People screwed the schedule thing up. It didn't really work. So I walked into the staff office and I'm standing, I'm standing there and on the floor, Dee Myers, George Stephanopoulos, and Paul Bagala are running an assembly line, stapling, uh, copied pieces of paper of schedules. <laughs> To go out, to give to me to take out. And I learned an important lesson that day, which is like, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are, the work still has to get done. <laughs> you need to be one of the people that does it. Right, so, right. Uh, it was a good
2: lesson. Well, it, that's it's fascinating because, you know, all three of them, Paul, Dee although I don't see Didi as much anymore, but but certainly George, well, she's you know, their career took off. And- she's-
1: She's She's, now out there in L.A. working for some movie studio. She's, you know, she's she's in the show business behind the scenes
2: world these days. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for her. I did. It was. I just remember it was. uh, It was fascinating because there was all of you guys were so young, and that was what was so invigorating about that initial campaign is how much you know young energy he he had around him.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny is. uh, you know, I've got a lot of young people that work with me now, and they were big Obama fans, and a lot of them are big Bernie Sanders fans right now. And I try to tell them, you know, back in the early 90s, uh, Bill Clinton was the block Obama of his day. <laughs> you know, he had all right, the right. cars and the box of and MTV and, you know, the electricity. I literally, I saw a woman one time, he came walking out from behind stage, and I saw a woman burst into tears and started jumping up and down like he was John Lennon. <laughs> it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen.
2: Well, he was like our, really our first black president before we had Obama in some ways, because he had, (laughs) you know, he, he was a rock, he was a rock star and he had the African American community behind him. So, um, well, listen, that brings me to, that's a great segue up to what's happening today with, um, the Democrats. And we talk about how Bernie seems to have this millennials. He seems to have the young generation, which is fascinating in many ways, uh, I, I was curious what your take on that is, and why do you think Bernie is resonating so much with the young younger generation and perhaps hillary is is not
1: you know i think it's, it's it's from a lot of that uh history um you know frankly the Clinton such has been around for a long time, so if mm-hmm. you're a you know twenty two right. year old you know you Bill Clinton got elected president before you were born um Oh, the whole idea of you know, your whole life has been around these people. And here comes Bernie Sanders. He's got the same message he's been saying. His, you know, you've never really heard of him before, but the more you learn about him, the more you learn. He's got this sort of really consistent message. Um, he's a little quirky. I think about Bernie Sanders a little bit like a hipster wearing a Mork and Mindy T-shirt, right? It's like you know, <laughs> a little bit odd, a little bit off. I think he's kind of quirky, but it's fun and people like it. Um, and I think that that was the initial charm of him. Uh, But I think there are a lot of people who also like his politics, and they really spend a lot of time delving into that. And Hillary Clinton, you know, they think she's sort of establishment because she has been around for so long. Her husband was president. She was secretary of state and United States senator. If anybody's in the political establishment, you'd have to say Hillary Clinton is.
0: And, you know,
1: what's sexy about that? (laughs) Right? Like, what's fun Right. There's nothing rebellious about being with Hillary Clinton.
2: Well, you know, there's there is this theory out there, too. And this is not uh this is not a judgment um on from my point of view. But there is a theory that the millennials tend to have this reputation for being sort of the entitled generation. And there are people who believe a lot of what Bernie is promising are entitlements that a lot of people feel he's not going to be able to, one, pay for or two get Congress or Senate, the Senate to ever pass. But it's interesting how. If it's the entitled generation, they would be attracted to a lot of the stuff that Bernie is promising that's going to be taken care of for them or that the government's going to provide, you know. Yeah, I think that's probably,
1: you know, more simplistic than I would think for the people who say that. I think I would argue that people want to even the score a little bit. I mean, here's the thing about mm-hmm. where we are as a country. There's so much uncertainty out there. Um, You know, you don't get to get a job and keep it for 30 or 40 years anymore. Um, Most people who go away to school don't stay in the same town that they grew up in. You know, people are moving all over the country, going off somewhere else. So you don't have your family around. So that's kind of uncertain. And now let's say you go to school and you graduate and you've got 30, 40, 50,000 or $100,000 worth of debt. And then you can't get a job that makes enough money for you to pay those student loans back. And so you're looking for a way to figure out how to fix that. And so I think that people are, And at the same time, you're looking at TV and you got Kardashians running around and Mm -hmm. Malibu, and (laughs) rich housewives of Orange County and all these people who look like they're doing just fine while you're kind of catching hell. So I think people are looking for a way to try to even that up. The Mm -hmm. tough part about Bernie Sanders is that this is a capitalist country. I mean, if you think back to our history, we fought a war in the 1700s so that people could make more money. <laughs> like, right, right. That was kind of the point of the American Revolution was people were tired of paying all their money to the king and not being able to get <laughs> anything for it. Right. So uh the country was sort of started, you know, for so that people could make more money. So it seems like to me it's gonna be tough to get a president who calls himself a socialist, um uh, just because that's just not really who, who we are as a country. But you know, I've been surprised a lot in the last few years. Who knows? I didn't even think Donald Trump would make it to the starting line. and you know he's Well, a- that was, yeah, <laughs> let's,
2: let's, let, let's talk about Mr. Trump. You know, it's fascinating because um, I've had this theory myself that I, I, I kind of felt like Donald never really had any clue he was going to take off like he did. I had this theory that I think he sort of was doing one of his traditional publicity things. He thought he'd get in and get out. And I think he's been, shocked like a lot of us and he's been trying to play catch up the whole time because i could just imagine he's like oh shit what am i going to do now i'm actually winning you know i've got to actually do something here
1: (laughs) absolutely i think he is probably a little shocked by it i mean everybody else is um but he also is tapping into a chord and i think people are this is part of that same angry and angst you know, he's pointing the finger, though, at an ethnic group. There's a thing about Donald Trump that's kind of fun and interesting to watch. And there's another part of Donald Trump that's pretty freaking scary when mm-hmm. you think about it. Yeah, you know, Here's yeah. a guy who's running for president, and he's attacking ethnic minorities, blaming them for the country's problems. He's ridiculing the media. He's got a kind of an army of, uh, you know, henchmen, like these sort of security guards that throw protesters out every time he gets upset. You know, he's got a billion dollars. It's kind of like this mix between Silvio Berlusconi, who was the prime minister in, in Italy and like Vladimir Putin in Russia. And like <laughs> the guy from France, Le Pen, who was the anti-immigrant guy, you know? So it's kind of like, he's this mix of weird, um, weird strongmen, you know, European strongmen who's trying to tell us that he'll make everything okay. As long as we can, you know, kick these people out and, you know, uh, do whatever you know, just let him kind of do whatever he wants to do. That's a little scary. Well,
2: it's scary. And let me ask you, Jamal do you believe? I mean, and this is the question I have if, if the Republicans, if it goes all the way to the convention before they have their nom- nominee, is there a way that the Republican Party can actually not nominate him, even if he has all the uh, if he has the delegates, if he has if he's won enough primaries? Is there a way that they can? supersede that or get around that
1: absolutely i mean so if he hasn't won a majority of the delegates then mm-hmm. when it goes to the convention they i think everybody has to vote for the person there they said they were going to vote for on the first ballot and then you right. get to have two or three more ballots after that so if that happens then they can pick anybody they want and uh, that would be it i don't think we haven't seen anything like that in the united states since like the beginning of the television era, like since the early 1960s. <laughs> but, so people will but be again, to this. you think, think reality TV is a big deal. Wait till, <laughs> wait till people watch that on TV.
2: I was going to say, but then again, we haven't seen anything like Donald Trump in politics either. So it's all kind of fitting. It's perfect timing for that. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Well, because I, I had been confused about that as well. And I think a lot of Americans, a lot of voters, I don't think they really... Get that? I think a lot of us have felt like, oh no, no, you know, if you if you get enough uh, people voting for you in the primaries, then you're you're in. And I always felt like there was a way that they could get around that if they really wanted to. But then he may at some point go off and. St- I think it'd be too late for him to run as a third party. I guess I don't know, but he's he's all over the place. With he that. might
1: be able to pull it off. It's it's a hard thing to do uh, to run as a third party candidate, but. You know, you could see, if anybody could do it, Donald Trump could do it, because he could pay for the best lawyers and buy the best, you know, contracts to make it make it all work.
2: And, you know, so it brings me to the whole topic of the Iowa caucus and then last night's New Hampshire primary. I guess for myself, I'm always like, why why those two states? And, and you know what I mean? Like, why is it so important? It, it, in some ways, it seems like they're not important and they're not a great gauge for the eventual winner, but it seems like every year we just keep going back there. Is that something that could be changed?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it's just habit, you know, you say you're not going to have a cup of coffee, but you get up in the morning, and you <laughs> go buy the Starbucks or whatever, you get it anyway. Um, every four years, <laughs> we all, you know, troop out to Iowa in the snow and you know, we wait to see what's going to happen in the caucuses, And then again, in New Hampshire, um, the one thing that's happened – You know, Iowa became famous when Jimmy Carter won it, I think, in 1976. And so nobody mm -hmm. thought Jimmy Carter had a chance to win, and he kind of surprised people that Iowa caught this. So then everybody kept going back after that, and it became an institution. So it's not really been that long, if you think about it. But New Hampshire has been for a long time. And the one thing now happens is people, they are so uh, into it. They take it so seriously. One time I was working for this United States senator who was running for president, and we get to New Hampshire, and we're walking across the uh, parking lot, just you know, headed from one meeting to another, just having a conversation, like four or five of us. And this guy is parking his car, and he turns around and he goes, "Hey, Senator, you running for president, right?" And he goes, "Yeah." He's like, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this Medicare policy. What, you know, where are they <laughs> going to reimburse us for prescription drugs?" And started having like this whole conversation with him about this policy question in a parking lot. <laughs> like that never happens. I've been in politics, while whole adult life I've never really seen that before and,
2: um, and he didn't, he did he didn't run away he actually had a conversation with him that's good
1: yeah yeah you, you kind of have to because in New Hampshire it's such a small state if you get a bad reputation for not talking to people like their friends won't
2: talk to you either then you lose <laughs> oh my god well you know it was night nice, it was kind of exciting last night to see uh Kasich come up I've always uh, on the Republican side I've always in watching these uh, clown car debates, as I call them, uh, you know yeah. he seemed to be he seemed to be the one that was the least crazy. He he actually seemed to be the one that uh, you know kind of was not embarrassing. And I, it was interesting to see him come in second in New Hampshire. That's that's given him a big boost. Do you think he has the ability to carry that into South Carolina and and Nevada and onward?
1: You know, he might. Nevada might be an easier place for him than South Carolina. You know, South Carolina gets pretty rough. Um, you know, uh, uh, people fight each other. They bang each other up. You know, that's God. where George W. Bush, when he ran, went after John McCain and said that, you know, John, you know, John McCain and his wife had adopted a young girl from Bangladesh, who dark skinned. And they spread this rumor in South Carolina that he had a black baby. <laughs> oh, like, wow. All the sort of racists in South Carolina thought John McCain had his black baby, and it became this negative thing on him in South Carolina. Like, it gets pretty, pretty, pretty rough in the back of the limousine. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, so that's the reality. That's the
2: reality. <laughs> that's the reality show we really want to see is behind the scenes. <laughs> right? right? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And people do things. It's very old school. It's like high school uh, elections, high school student body elections or something. People make flyers and they will, you know, wait till they'll go to, like, a conservative evangelical church, and, they, like, while everybody's in church and service, you know, like, praising God, people will <laughs> go around with flyers and stick them in the windows with these really nasty rumors, and they won't say, like, paid for by anybody or fund this campaign. It's just literally, like, somebody went to Kinko's and ran off a whole bunch of blue pieces of paper and put them in your window. Um, wow. It That's gets pretty... <laughs> it's, it's like high school. It's, 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 and so I don't know if Kasich is really ready for that. I mean, he ran a pretty positive campaign. He's, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. a, he's a conservative guy, but he's got a moderate attitude, you know, pretty even-keeled attitude, not really angry. Um, And, you know, the Republican, if you look at what's happening with Cruz and Trump, the Republicans are pretty angry. Um, So I'm not sure somebody who's not angry is going to make it.
2: Well, it's interesting because you're right. It's it's kind of happening on both sides. You, You know, you've got the Bernie and you've got Trump. And even though Trump is... What he is he you're right, it is showing that both sides are tighter of the establishment um and they want to they want to change i my concern is i as a democrat i I'm actually happy with either Hillary or Bernie, but my concern is that Bernie cannot beat cannot win the general election, and we, we would get he would get yeah. beat by by the republicans, but you know i listen i'm open i mean he certainly so far has I think even the pundits were have been surprised at uh, Bernie's success so far.
1: Yeah, that's the tough part about Bernie. Like I was saying, the, the socialism thing, the kind of uh, you know the professor from uh, Back to the Future look about him, <laughs> Larry know, David. Yeah, yeah, the Larry David. <laughs> um, you know, like the people are just you know he doesn't kind of look and sound and feel like what you might think the president ought to. Uh, so that'll be tough. But, you know, the other part of it is, uh, I think that, you know, this is what Hillary Clinton is clearly the most qualified person on the stage on, on either one. Totally. Of those, right. Yes, like she's been totally. through it. She's clearly, you know, she's got the whole thing handled. But she has yet to offer this compelling message or idea or vision about what what the whole thing is for. Like, what are we doing? Like, Why should we why should we elect you? I mean, you know, it's like, having, it's like writing an essay without a thesis statement. You know, like you kind of have to tell people what this is all about. And she's got a million policies. I agree with most of them. You know, she wants to make college more affordable and more health care and better, you know, education for schools, for people, and, you know, all that stuff, which is great. But it's hard to know how all that stuff fits together. And unless you're going to spend all your time going through campaign position papers, you probably get, get lost in it. And I think that's part of her problem is she just hasn't been a good storyteller. And as much as right. you know, anybody who's in the media business understands, like you gotta be able to tell a story.
2: And that's been her, you know, that was her problem eight eight years ago as well. She kind of had the same problem when Obama came on the scene.
1: Yeah, sometimes you can be too smart for your own good. <laughs> um, right. And it's one of the advantages, you know, George W. Bush had this great advantage of always being on message, always make being really clear. He talks really simply. And part of that was probably because he didn't read a lot,
2: you know? <laughs> right. He was very simple. He did really have yeah. a lot of
1: facts at his disposal. And so he just kind of kept saying the same thing over <laughs> and over again. And everybody was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good.
2: Well, do you, on that note, have you been surprised at uh, Jeb's lack of success? Although I, you know, last night was a, was the victory for him to, to do as well as he did. But I, I think a lot of people felt he was the sort of the shoe in going into this. And, uh, as much as I really was not a George W fan, I, I never really thought anyone could have, you know, Jeb just has no personality at all. He just has no charisma that nothing comes across the, sc- the screen.
1: Yeah, it turns out isn't it shocking that it turns out that we actually already had the talented Bush brother
0: <laughs>
2: but you know I get it I mean as much as I wasn't a Bush uh, fan I I always said that he's the guy you wouldn't mind having a, a beer with you know or sit down and and talk yeah,
1: look if it bullshit, wasn't but... if it wasn't for the Iraq war and the deficit being run <laughs> up to the roof in Katrina he would have been a great president right <laughs> like, like, He's totally. Yeah. He's funny. He's interesting. Um, still, like you know, you listen to some of the like the, some of the great you know montages of like all his statements and read some of the you know uh, things that were put on online. It's it's pretty fun to listen to him and watch him. With Jeb, you just don't get that level of personality. And you know, I always thought the reason why W was such was such a good communicator, and you just kind of like to listen to him and probably want to be around him, is. He spent so much of his life sitting on a bar stool. And look, mm. if you were hanging out in bars and drinking and working in oil wells, like you get to know a lot of different kinds of people. You get to figure out what really motivates people. You know How many bar fights and pickup lines have you heard or given <laughs> in your life? And so a lot of times you get to run for president, even when you've straightened out and sobered up, you still know – a lot about how real people interact, what they want, what they care about, how they're thinking in a way that if you're, maybe if you're Jeb and you're the good son and you went to the right schools and you studied hard and you got the best grades and you got the right jobs and you moved up the ladder the right way, you know, I mean, who really likes that guy at the end of the day? I mean, you know, you want somebody who lived a little.
2: Well yeah, because even though George comes from this uh privileged background, you you know, he was you just never really got that. He came off as sort of the the average guy. I used to say if he weren't from that family, you know, he would be that guy that sort of peaked in high school and would maybe be running yeah. the local the local car dealership and he would sit around and talk about high school days and you know, how he was the quarterback and that sort of thing. He just happened to be, instead of sitting at the dealership the family business happened to be politics, right? And he was sitting in the White House, (laughs) which is scary that we survived. It was a little Um, scary. Yeah. And
1: I got to say, there's something about, I never did think that we would end up in a time where people were really hungering for something new, hungering for like the future. We would end up with a Clinton and a Bush on the ticket, (laughs) um, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, Because like, that's just really crazy, right? (laughs) Like, um, I think Hillary Clinton probably makes it just cause the system is kind of built for her to, to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bernie doesn't have all the gifts that Barack Obama had, you know, Barack Obama was so electric and so compelling. Um, right. and he was able to get both the really activist new voters and some of the old establishment voters in a way that Bernie hasn't been able to do. But, right. uh, Jeb, I just don't see how he fights his way through this crowd. But you know what? This year, I, I'm done making predictions. Who knows, who knows what really happens?
2: <laughs> well, I know. i watch, you know, I watched Donna Brazil and all the, all the great pundits on all the shows. And I, I love the fact that now they're at the point where they're just saying, no, 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 don't try to pin me down on this because it's changing daily. You know, they can't really no – yeah. can, no one has a crystal ball now to predict.
1: I mean it used to be that you knew you know, if you knew how much money somebody had, you seen them in person and saw their kind of you know you saw their show <laughs> basically because right. a political, like a political campaign event is a show. You produce it, you light it, <laughs> you know you get you know the right cast there. Um, <laughs> so you see all that. And then you know you kind of figure out like you talk to some real people and see what they're looking for. And there are ways for you to kind of judge it. And then you say, okay, among these three or four or five people, these are the couple of people who seem like they might be able to do it, right? And so it's not, right, right. you know, it's like, it's like watching baseball or something. Like, okay, they got a good arm. They, got, they can swing a bat. It seems like it might work. Uh, this year, all those rules are, are pretty kind of shot to hell.
2: Right. Um, if everyone's joining us right now, just tuning in, we're joined by political analyst, Mr. Jamal Simmons and TV commentator, uh, talking all things politics here on One on One with Jasper Cole. So listen, what's what's happening for you right now during the season? Where can people are you doing television appearances or are you um, what are you I up am. to?
1: Yeah, So I'm, I'm freelancing. So I'm kind of on I'll be I'm on uh, I was on MSNBC today. I'll be on CNN on Monday on Jake Tapper show. Um, and then, uh, you know, doing a bunch of media stuff and then, you know, we're also doing another cool project, which you guys can learn about some more. It's called crate, uh, dot com and we spell it kind of a funny way. It's spelled C R Roman numeral eight, C R V I I I. Um, and crate is a new app that we're putting out that's going to be able to let people, you know, cr- show, show what you create, what you make and, and then share it with other people and learn about what other people are making and creating so it's a place for creators to show off what they do Uh, oh wow i love that so we're building we're building that up and it's going to be a really fun thing we're putting shipping containers in cities and we're going to have events in these cities inside these shipping containers turning them into showcases so it's it's pretty fun i got a great team of people you know who are working on it that i'm helping out so um, i want people to keep their eye out for that and uh this year in politics you know i'll be on the tv whether it's cnn or ms or on the radio so keep your ears open
2: and then you have your website right Jamalsimmonscom dot com that people can go to
1: yep you can go to the website Jamalsimmonscom dot com and um i'm on twitter where i'm probably spending more time on twitter now than i am on the website but it's just at jamal simmons and i'm um, especially on big debate nights and some of those nights it's fun to watch everybody kind of go back and forth about uh, what they're seeing and hearing and doing it in real time. So uh, I hope people follow and check it out.
2: Well, listen, buddy, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will be following you throughout the campaign. And uh, it's been great to to pick your brain a little bit here and get your uh, expertise. And my last question is, do you, do you see yourself ever jumping back in in terms of uh, working for a campaign again? Or are you happy just uh, – Uh, critiquing it (laughs) from the other side Uh, you never
1: you never say never uh, but uh, I I like being able to sleep in my own bed and you know (laughs) enjoy my life (laughs) right Uh, right I still get to play in it so I I love it I'm having a good time right now we'll see what happens well listen
2: well listen congrats again on everything thanks for tuning in and joining us today and we'll be uh, we'll be following you on TV throughout this campaign thanks buddy I appreciate it
1: thanks a lot Jasper. take care (laughs)
2: take care That was fantastic, right, John? Sure was. Yeah, no. Yeah, so much. He's had such a great career. I love the fact that um he started out with, you know, with George and and Dee, Dee Myers and and he's right. I've actually seen Dee, Dee uh in the Larchmont area here in L.A. I had forgotten that she's out here. So, um, yeah, so everyone go to JamalSimmons.com and check out all the stuff that he has going on. And, um, J.W., let's take our, our break, and when we come back, we'll do some more hot topics and uh, catch up and do all that good stuff. Um, you been listening to One on One with Jasper Cole. We'll be right back. life is one act Why do we lay all these traps We put them right in our path When we just want to be free I will not waste my days Making up all kinds of ways To worry about all the things That will not happen to me
0: Now that you found UBN Radio And discovered our quality talk shows It's time to spread the word To friends, family and the, the universe. universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNradio.com. You're back one-on-one with Jasper Cole.
2: All right. All right. Well, welcome back to today's show. We were joined by political analyst, Mr. Jamal Simmons. Um, it's been a great show, right, John? It sure
3: has, and you sound way better now. <laughs> so-
2: well, should I go ahead and tell people what I did? <laughs> yeah. Well, they... Can we use this on the real? I just want everyone to know that I had my headphones on backwards. Oh, my lord. And that the microphone was on the back of my head. So. Oh, wow. I
3: was like, what can I do to fix it with all the interview?
2: <laughs> I just want people to know that that is how we run it right here at One on One with Jasper Cole. And it's all my fault because I was just talking away. And then I realized that when we went to the break, I thought, well, Where's the microphone? Oh and my it god, it's up, 100% better.
3: Oh. It was up,
2: it was up next to my ear. The microphone was literally on on my s- headphone. So I must have sounded like I was in someone's <laughs> cave or something. Could you even hear me? Can we start over? <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, people!
3: Oh, well, you know we have to bring some levity to this whole political situation because you know. It, it,
2: well, no wonder. Could Jamal <laughs> hear me? That's so embarrassing. I'm it's sure. Like,
3: I'm sure he could hear you, but we're still on the air here with everybody. So.
2: <laughs> well, this is what our you know our our listeners know that we keep it real. <laughs> I here know one on one exactly. But I really should have taken a picture. I was um, sitting here
3: tweaking every button I could think. I'm like, why is this? T-?
2: Yeah, because I, I have a mirror right here in front of me, and I just happened to look up, and I thought, well, what's that thing sticking up in the air on the side there? And then I realized, oh shit, that's the microphone. No wonder I can't. Uh, no one can hear me. Oh wow. Well. All right. Well, well you, you got it. You got
3: it working now. So hey, that's it's not how you begin; it's how you finish, right? So, yeah, I'm glad. Sarah's losing doing this it in for the chat five room. years. Dara went through this before, so she knows. She's laughing her ass off in the chat room too.
2: She realized, but I bet she knew where to put the microphone. Oh, I've only been doing this God. for five years. I love so. it. I love it. I love but it. But everyone has to understand. I these are new headphones. Yes, yes, so they are. I, and it sounds great, some- actually.
3: Now, really good. Now, yeah. Well, good. Now that perfect. the show's
2: over, yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> well, you know Jamal. uh <laughs> Thank you, thank Jamal. You, thank, for thanks for bearing so with us. For hanging in there and putting up. With me. I, <laughs> I was like, he sounds hearing. better. And he's calling from the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, once again, go to our UPN radio page and uh, look up our sponsors and uh, if we still have them (laughs) (laughs) and you guys be sure and uh, we'll be back here next week. I'll have a microphone. I promise (laughs) you it'll be a much clearer It'll sound just
3: like this. Just nice and clear.
2: But in all honesty, guys, thanks for being here today. And uh, thanks to Jamal Simmons. Everyone, follow us on Twitter one on one with J. Cole, uh, Jasper Cole, J. Cole. And J. W., thank you so much for putting up with me. Oh,
3: no, no. Always my pleasure, Jasper. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to definitely be on our promo reel, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, good. Everyone, we will see you back here next week, same time with a microphone, same place. (laughs) at one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Peace out.
0: Take care. Thanks for checking out one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.